Hello. Welcome to the show. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm good. Thank you. Yeah. We're the, we're the above the law crew. As we it turns are. Out. Yes. And we are here for Thinking Like a Lawyer, our podcast as the Above the Law crew, or most of the Above Law crew, actually. Don't want to don't want to say we're all of it, but we're most of it here. Uh, we're a, a quorum. We're, we yeah. are a quorum of the Above the Law crew. I'm Joe Patrice. You've also heard from Chris Williams and Catherine Rubino there. We are here to give a rundown of the big stories of the week in law that you might have been already reading about in the pages, the digital pages of Above the Law. But if you haven't, we're going to do a little rundown on them anyway. Before we get there. Wait, before there's something before we get there? Well, usually. What what great, what with great fanfare do you want to introduce? I'll wait for the fanfare. Small talk. <laughs> Chris, how was your weekend? It was pretty good. Um, I played through Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, and that mm. capped off about, about a, a decade of nostalgia um, for people listening. You know that Kingdom Hearts makes about as much sense as uh, Biden appointing a pro-abortion judge immediately <laughs> after saying he would, he would support the women's <laughs> rights to, you know, not be incubators. But oddly enough, like the third the third take, it, it has some nice cohesion. It didn't have any Final Fantasy characters, which was odd. I miss seeing okay. Cloud and... Sephiroth, what have you? But it was. This is, of course, the game. This is, of course, the game that historically makes a bunch of Final Fantasy characters play with Donald Duck and Goofy to do something or other, right? Something or other. It it they, it, it makes about yeah. as much sense as most Democratic campaigns. It's like let's beat the bad guy. What are we going to do though? I don't know. We're going to beat the bad guy. The bad guy can't win. Um, yeah. So there's been that for three day, three games. I, and I love you know I love fun. that I've given him two bites at the about makes about as much sense as joke. Yeah, and and yeah. that he had two in the hopper. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it was a real professional give and take there. <laughs> you know, it happens. I got to see the new Marvel movie. Speaking of Disney intellectual properties, mm-hmm. uh, the new Thor: Love and Thunder. And I was um, pretty tired when I saw it, but I really enjoyed it. And I know that some people kind of were nitpicking about some of it. But honestly, as like a two-hour experience, highly recommend. Cannot recommend enough. Were there any kiss references? No, it was all Guns N' Roses. Yeah, it was very Guns N' Roses heavy. I also saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Like God of Thunder and rock and roll. Like. Yeah. It was very Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Quite, quite enjoyed it, to be honest. Yeah. Well. How about you, Joe? Did you do anything fun recently? Uh, yeah, I had a, had a little mini reunion with a lot of folks that I, you know, hung out with over the years who, who've, you know, moved away and so on, but they were all back in town. And so had a nice little mini reunion with some folks. And uh, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. So I think with all that said, we can, we can put a stop to our friends at Small Talk here. Okay, so it gets me every time. Yeah, nice. It, it it's a thing. It's a thing that we've continued to do. Yeah. So no, I mean, hey, we're, I, have, we're, I let it be known. I have the memory of a. What were we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> so with that said, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, the biggest story of last week, uh, actually, a couple of stories for us at Above the Law, both dealt with a similar issue, which was. The aftermath of the Dobbs decision and the Bruin decision and a series of problematic decisions uh, 
for the country is that there are a lot of people protesting Supreme Court justices and Supreme Court justices. Well, they took away a bunch of people's rights. So, you know, that's going to happen. Are very upset about this. Is this is kind of the price of doing business. Like, you want to take away rights? Okay. You know what you're going to get in return? A bunch of protests. That, that doesn't seem strange. It, it seems, in fact, incredibly predictable. So there were two incidents, really, that drove this over the course of the last week. The first is that the marshal of the Supreme Court, who you may remember from various conspiracy theories that were pushed for a while. I don't know if anyone does remember this, but for a while... There was this weird conspiracy theory going around about how the marshal of the Supreme Court is the person with unilateral power to cause an impeachment and stuff, whatever. It, it, it's all. Well, the marshal was also recently asked to look into the leak of the Dobbs decision, right? Mm-hmm. It's funny how we haven't heard any more about that, though. Yeah, it's almost like when they figured out who it was, they decided it was somebody us. they didn't want to tell everybody mm, about. That's, hmm. that's feeling like what happened. Yeah. Anywho. The marshal of the Supreme Court wrote a letter to the governors in Virginia and Maryland and asked them to step up their efforts to force people to stop protesting outside of Supreme Court justices' homes. How very un-American of them. Well, look, uh, there, there's... I, I mean the marshal. Yeah, well, look. No, look, there's... People marching outside your house is an annoyance. Uh, it is, you know, something that theoretically... A government official should be prepared to have happen, but you can you can definitely have laws that, you know, minimize the impact of that intrusion upon somebody's day to day life. Uh, you can say you can protest in front of the Supreme Court, but, you know, don't bring it into, uh, you know, private residences because it disrupts other people beyond just that. You can have rules about how many feet away people are allowed to be to protest. You could have rules about what times they're allowed to protest. Theoretically, I say you can have all these rules. The issue is you can't have any of these rules because the Supreme Court already ruled that you can't have those rules. Several years ago. Yeah, several years ago. Hoisted by their own petard. And and it is very much their own petard, as this was an opinion driven by the conservative majority of the court who said... It's perfectly fine for people to follow abortion clinic workers to their houses and stand outside their houses and protest all night. Uh, That was an opinion way back in the 90s uh, where there was a rule that said you had to be 300 feet away from a private residence. To minimize that, they ruled that that wasn't wasn't fair and that you can absolutely follow people home from work and to protest what they do at work. So, you know. That's exactly their petard. That's what the petard is. Yeah. Uh, and I, look, I just want to this, say you all yeah. are so lucky. I'm not writing this article because if it was, it would have been like, oh, Supreme Court justice not allowed to stop people from protesting out front of their house because of abortion clinic jurisprudence. And it would just be a picture of Brett Kavanaugh saying, oh, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> well, you know, that's a great transition because the second story that really happened on this note was that Brett Kavanaugh decided to go to a steakhouse on Wednesday and and Morton's got involved in some constitutional jurisprudence. Yes. So protesters showed up outside of that steakhouse, not inside. So still in public property protesting and Morton's steakhouse helped Kavanaugh escape through the back door, you know, because your only alternative is the back alley at that point. Whoa. Uh, and oh. Yeah. Anyway. Not that that was a bad joke. You said this is a really bad state for American jurisprudence. In fairness, that you, in fairness, I think did I think you might have pitched that joke. Uh, so in our internal chat, so full don't credit. Put, don't put that on me. No, uh, no, 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 anyway. no. You take you take the fall here. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so he goes out the back door, uh, 
And Mortens then decides to issue statements complaining about how this breaches the fundamental right to congregate and eat dinner, uh, which is not, not mentioned not in, the, in Constitution. the Constitution. Not in there. Not in there. Uh, actually, I, I will say a lot of us made jokes immediately after they did this about how it's not in the Constitution, uh, because that's the somewhat arbitrary fig leaf that is tossed around in jurisprudence these days. However, I really got to hand it to the New Republic who went all in on this and actually did an originalist analysis of the Anglo-American traditions of the 1700s and, and medieval and medieval common law England's dealing with dinner, uh, which I was very impressed with them pointing, you know, going all in to make this joke. <laughs> anyway, so that's what happened to him. Uh, and once again, this was an argument that people aren't allowed to protest our, you know, fragile geniuses the delicate geniuses who do all this because they have life tenure to undemocratically do whatever they want without any re repercussions, uh, which put aside whether or not there should be limitations on exactly the time, place, and manner by which you can mm, go after a Supreme Court justice for what they do. The issue remains the Supreme Court already ruled on this. And, and let's be very clear, right, that Supreme Court justices have infinitely more resources to protect themselves in the case of protests in front of their house. For example, Congress recently just mm -hmm. put more money into the protection of Supreme Court justices than someone who works at a at a parent yeah. a Planned Parenthood yep. or some other clinic, right? So already they're in a much more privileged position than the folks that they were already willing to throw under the bus. So at this point, it seems very clear to me that you just have to live by the cases as they're decided. Of course, we live in an era where that is wildly untrue and jurisprudence can be undone just because. So I fully expect when this becomes a case in a year and a half for the six justices uh, that were appointed by Republicans to change their minds about this. Uh, well, what gets me is it's it's almost it's worse. I don't think that they have any interest in actually changing the precedent. They just want it to not apply to them. Uh, and, that's, right, and that'll be the case, right? It'll well, be, well, here's a carve out for us. And I don't know exactly how they create such a carve out in any jurisprudentially defensible way but oh i'm you know, sorry are we is that the standard jurors do potentially I, I defensible know. because i don't like, think we're there yeah i don't know it, it seems it seems difficult but yeah and that and that's the real crux of this problem and i i fielded a lot of complaints from from the stories that i wrote from people saying well how would you like it if protesters were doing this to insert somebody else and i'm like that's not really here nor there the issue isn't whether or not people should be protested in this manner it's this is the bed that the Supreme Court made mm -hmm. uh, for itself and and very much not just the Supreme Court, this the this, conservative justices. Yeah, the, this legal movement that mm -hmm. they all ascribe to created this situation. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it's the hypocrisy of it that they just don't want it to apply to them. That really is. Yeah, I mean, it, while it continues to be galling, it's not surprising. Yeah. Another thing that people act like is in the constitution, but isn't that I think actually undergards a lot of this conversation. There's no expectation or requirement for people to be nice. Mm -hmm. And so much of this, I think is a consequence of respectability politics that people are swept up to. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we even mm -hmm. just think about the, the, the Dobbs leak when it happened, Oh, was it uh, SCOTUS blog was like, this is one of the darkest moments in uh, the Supreme court. No, no, no. I think you should think about other things like actual <laughs> events. Like, 
Plessy when it happened or this happening or the, the overturning yeah. of like civil rights. That's the thing. But the thing, but the fact that this is uh seems screams of being impolite has more weight than the fact that this is what American decline looks like. Like it seems like we, we can yeah. be in decline, but as long as we're happy about it and smiling. No, the issue is you went back on civil rights and your complaint is what about my steak dinner? Right. Like yeah. that's absurd. And I think it's important to address that, you know, you can't expect politeness from people that are literally causing people, other people to die. You know, there was a, remember the, the thing about there's a 10 year old girl who was raped um, and mm-hmm. in, in Ohio and they Correct. didn't let her yeah. have an abortion. She had to go to another state. Like that's the, Indiana. that's yeah. the, yeah, that's the, that's the travesty. It isn't the fact that there was a leak or that some dude can't eat dinner. And mm-hmm. making the discussion about what is polite and acceptable in the public eye loses sight of what's really happening here. Right. But then they can't be victims. If we don't care about the politeness, then right. then Kavanaugh doesn't pretend like he's the real victim here. Right. Which yeah. is exactly what happened during his confirmation hearings as well. Right. Enough about the, the raping. I drank beer. <laughs> you know, can I, I like drink beer. beer? You know. Yeah. Calidus AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Hey, Gee, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Gee, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found. We're back, and let's let's talk now, uh, continuing the Dobbs issue to the extent that that's still kind of the most important thing going on right now, and now put a big law spin on it. So, Catherine, we've talked in the past about you're tracking law firms that have offices in Texas and other states that have banned, you know, abortion. banned abortion and what those institutions are doing Mm -hmm. and offering employees as far as coverage for reproductive health. What's the latest going on there? Um, The Texas Freedom Caucus, ironically named though it is, sent a very threatening letter to Sidley Austin saying that they believe that they were in violation of Texas law because they said that they would pay for travel costs for all of their employees uh, and also said that they believed that they had uh, facilitated someone taking the abortion pill in the state of Texas. And we're going to go after from that. It made 
told them that they needed to maintain all their documents related to the policy or any time that it may have been invoked, and also said that they were planning on passing even more laws, making uh, it not a, a felony offense for an employer to provide travel costs to their employees. And additionally, specific to sort of the legal world, that um, any lawyer that was uh, part of this you know, either making the arrangements or, you know, an employer that provided uh, travel costs would also be disbarred in the state of Texas automatically. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, first of all, let me say there are a lot more firms that uh, may expect letters, although um, some of those firms also donate to a lot of Republican political campaigns. So perhaps they won't all see the letters, even despite the fact that they are on record as saying that they are going to provide travel costs. We shall see. But yeah, obviously, I think this is something that is that is we knew was kind of coming. Um, Texas has certain Texas legislators have said that they were going to go after all sorts of employers and find them and, and do things to try to make it more difficult to cover the travel costs for folks seeking ab- abortion care. But this is the first time it's been launched at a law firm. And honestly, I don't know why it seems if if I, if I were st- playing strategy for the Texas Freedom Caucus, which fortunately I am not, maybe you don't want to start with with a big law firm. Maybe, maybe someone who has all the legal resources that can be harnessed maybe isn't target number one. Yeah. But here it, we are. It strikes me as though there's there's a bunch of problems with this. And I think there's, mm-hmm. uh, and you, you and I chatted internally, I don't know if you're ready to talk about the possibility that there are some preemption issues with this. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm sure Sidley has a wide variety of legal arguments um, at their disposal. But one thing that uh, some folks have have raised is that federal law preempts state law, and uh, most of the employer-sponsored health care is done under ERISA provisions. And there's plenty of jurors. I mean, I don't know the specifics of Sidley's healthcare plan, obviously, but there is lots of uh, jurisprudence saying that ERISA would uh, supersede any state legislation. So, the, and as most of it is done under, uh, most of the travel cost provisions are done underneath the firm's Self-insurance. Self-insurance. So, you know, I'm I'm sure there are plenty of legal arguments that firms have available, or Sidley at the moment has available to them. But I mean, I just think that's a really interesting one because I always Mm -hmm. find ERISA very fascinating. I am not an ERISA lawyer, but I hung out with a lot of them over (laughs) my career. And so I always find that uh, an interesting area. So when that was raised, when Mm -hmm. you raised that with me, I thought thought that was really interesting. There's also, of course, the more fundamental issue, which is this is an attempt by a state to impose criminal sanctions on an entity for aiding and abetting something that is not actually a crime in the jurisdiction in which it would take place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is a wild set of jurisdictional issues to say. So, you know, it's like, should Texas be allowed to prosecute folks who go to Vegas because gambling's not legal in Texas? Right. Like it's that, it's that level. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Well, I mean, it's, it's the level of, New York prosecuting people for buying guns in other states that are, you know, regulated here. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't go down that road uh, because it would get really weird because this really would be aiding and abetting something where the underlying crime is not a crime because it happens in a jurisdiction where it's legal. So I don't understand how the aiding and abetting happening in Texas can matter if the thing 
aided and abetted is not illegal in the jurisdiction. Well, I think that there are there are two wrinkles, I guess, to to what you're saying. The first is that one of the more common ways to get an abortion are a series of abortion pills. Right. Mm -hmm. And while you may go to another jurisdiction to procure the prescription and perhaps even take the first dose outside of the jurisdiction, one of the points that the Freedom Caucus makes in their letter is that the second if the second pill is taken within the state of Texas, then they claim jurisdiction over the entire issue. But the second thing, uh, which let's be clear, the letter does not limit it to taking the abortion pill in the state of Texas. They point that out as one possible violation, but certainly not the only one. The other thing I was going to say is that don't forget that in Brett Kavanaugh's concurrence in Dobbs, he specifically points out that folks can, in fact, travel to other jurisdictions to get abortions. He says that, of course, we wouldn't be able to stop that because the right to travel, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing that always struck me about that particular section of his concurrence is that it's not in the majority opinion. Yeah. So does that mean that there are already four votes to to ban travel? Yeah. My, my takeaway on – I agree with you. I, my takeaway on that was that the chief and Kavanaugh are prepared to join that, you know, basic tenets of federalism would prevent yeah. that, uh, but that the other – the other four are not in that position. I mean, that's that's fairly tenuous. It Which doesn't make me scary, f- filled yeah. with confidence at all, uh, particularly since the chief has not actually come out uh, about this. Uh, you would think that that given given that the chief was not ready to overturn Roe, you would think that he would. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. I think. But but I would also say that folks have changed their minds on lots of these yeah. things. People have made statements and then, you know, had, the, you know, during their confirmation hearings, then did pretty much the opposite. So I'm not doesn't make me super happy. And the fact that four justices seem very willing, uh, by virtue of it not being in the majority opinion, seem willing to say that travel bans are okay is an incredibly bad place for the whole American experiment, right? Like, like the tenant of federalism is sort of fundamental to how this country is organized. And this hits at the root of it. Yeah. For better or for better or worse, usually worse. But in this case, it does not seem to bode particularly well for American federalism, which, again, is the foundation of our country. Mm. So we've that to look forward to. Okay, so now let's uh, let's transition to one of the other late term decisions there. So, Chris, you wrote about gun control last week. How did that uh, how did that work for you? Well, it was it was good in my book because I always love to deploy a nice little Futurama reference. But mm-hmm. uh, speaking of protesting justices when they're trying to get food, yesterday I was chilling in my house around three thirteen or so, and I get some long hate mail from some dude talking, saying, "Oh, don't you know the Second Amendment's the only amendment we have to protect us? I can't believe you're talking about." But it was listen. I was playing Kingdom Hearts. I just sent him a quick message. I'm not reading all that. Have a nice day. Took a screenshot of it, put it on Facebook, and me and my friends laughed at him. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, that was a good uh, that was a good response. But I take that to mean that people really don't like the idea of being bullied for having guns, which I think we should keep on doing. Like it should. When you see some dude with an AK walking to get a sandwich at Subway, people need to treat it like. Uh, when you hear some dude on a really loud motorcycle going down the street, like you're being an adult, like <laughs> none of this is like as cool as you think you are about it. You know, I think I, I think it's really commendable of you that you didn't appeal to the fundamental right to congregate and post <laughs> stories as the reason why no one should criticize you like some people have. 
see that was a reference to our friend. See, I'm tying it back to the first story. Yeah, I don't no, know if anybody. I, no, okay, I, good, I, good. I, I, I saw. I, just, I saw what you did. I just wasn't just, particularly impressed by it. I was still thinking about Kingdom Hearts three. I'm I'm a little lost. I didn't catch yeah. the reference. But so anyway, uh, so yeah, so that that happened. Uh, obviously, we deal with uh funny hate mail all the time uh it, and we laugh at you like to be clear yes. we laugh at you like it doesn't make us any more de- any devoted me demotivated or anything besides making us like mumble our words like in fairness i don't know is that we should say you my assumption is everyone listening to this show is not because uh, it would be a real commitment to listen to this yeah. show every week just to send us hate mail hey they but also list, they read enough to yeah. they read to send the that's anyway true. anyway I mean, look, I'm not that sure was that the queen's you the queen's you we left the queen's <laughs> there we go is that okay uh, joe I'm not yes. sure, though, that that is accurate because I have certainly gotten plenty of hate mail that is based either off the first sentence or the title. And I was like, did you did you read it? Because like paragraph two answers everything you just said. So I'm not sure that they're actually clicking on these stories. Well, that's fair. Here, that gets, here's the thing, though. With yeah. mine, me, I'm me saying we should bully people that are like gung ho gun owners. That was like the last paragraph. So that motherfucker <laughs> read my shit. He read it. And my thought was, my thought was, ooh, he read it. He was like, I don't have anything constructive to say. I'm going to insult his parents. So then I post it on Facebook and my mom sees it and we're laughing at him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so my mom appreciates the joy you brought. Um, yeah, th- th- that's up. the thing. You all just bring us joy. And so. Everyone's bringing us joy this week. Yeah. Mm. Brett Kavanaugh less so though. All right, well, real quick, uh, because this hasn't uh, gotten very far as of the time of this recording, but I think we would be remiss not to mention it, at least, as something that we will probably be talking about a lot come next week. But Elon Musk has pulled out of the Twitter deal. Uh, ha, 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 ha. In a rare instance of Elon Musk pulling out, he Whoa. has... Oh, <laughs> dude's got 10 kids. Point is, including twins that we just learned about last week. Anyway, whatever. So... He's he's uh, not doing this Twitter deal, which uh, all of us said he wouldn't be able to do the day he announced he was going to do it. And we got a lot of hate mail for that, too, saying that, of course, he can do it because he could do anything. And as it turns out, we were all right. Thanks. We should, uh, you know, take ourselves on our little victory lap. Thank you. Anyway, so. So he's pulled out of this deal. Twitter is now going to sue because the merger agreement that they had signed had a provision that if he botches the deal, he owes them a billion dollars. Uh, <laughs> they have hired Wachtel Lipton to help. They already had Simpson and Wilson Sincini on the case, too. So now they have a triumvirate of big law firms working together to sue him. And they plan to sue him early this week, according to reports. So, you know. <laughs> When you have this that much fun. money, when you have that much money, a bad pullout game costs you. Yeah. And so he is represented by Skadden, who has sent some letters about this deal that uh, a great piece in Bloomberg by our former colleague, Matt Levine, who used to work at Dealbreaker, which is, of course, the sister site of Above the Law, covering finance. But now he's at Bloomberg. Matt Levine wrote a very detailed description of why this Skadden letter doesn't seem to make any sense and why. Musk faces a very uphill battle if he plans to challenge the uh, to defend himself against Twitter's claims. So, yeah, we're setting up for what could be a very interesting 
litigation. I mean, it's certainly going to give us many, many laughs and chortles. So let's let's do this. So sometime uh, after we've recorded this and before next week, we should have a complaint to review and see what the most fun allegations in there are. And uh, yeah, so what's the what's the over under on Grimes releasing a diss track? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually surprised at how Grimes hasn't done that yet, Uh, but Actually, I'd, yeah, I'll be honest. I don't. I don't know anything about Grimes other than other than apparently a musical artist who's had a couple kids with this guy. Does anybody like? That's that. That's enough. Yeah, Again, I mean, I, Kingdom Hearts three. I've I've been focusing on the gaming and pissing off racists. Yeah, I, it, it, hey, listen. That's that's a pretty busy week. Yeah. yeah anyway, I try. So we'll look forward to all of this Musk coverage probably going forward. Um, with all that, I think we're done for the week. So thanks for everybody for listening. You should s- subscribe to the show if you haven't already so you get new episodes when they come out. You should give it reviews, stars, write something up about it. All helps make sure more people find the show and get to hear the dulcet tones of my voice. And, you know, everyone else is too. Anyway, and, so. And, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So do that. Read above the law so you can see these and more stories as they come out. You should be. Following us on social media, I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One, the numeral one. Chris is at Rights for Rent. You should be following the at ATL blog a, a Twitter account as well to get new stories as they come out. With all that said, oh, uh, follow. Uh, we have some other podcasts. Catherine hosts a show called the a podcast called The Jabot. I'm a panelist on the Legal Tech Week Journalist Roundtable for all the legal tech nerds out there, of uh, of which I assume there's at least a few who like hearing about how AI is changing the uh, legal tech space. It's three uh, of you. Also, we, know, we know it's three of you. We've seen the data. We, we, so shouts, out to you also, and, uh, shouts out to you in Sacramento, Stephen. <laughs> you should also be listening to the Legal Talk Network's other universe of shows. And now, uh, and thanks to our sponsors. And uh, yeah, that's, that's Peace. it. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.